the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is brought to you by Bridgeway Community Church. Life-changing talk radio. You're listening to 105.1 FM, WAVA. With Dr. David Anderson, seasoned expert on race, religion, relationships. Dr. Anderson wants to talk to you. Phone lines are open now, 888-432-7434. And now, please welcome Dr. David Anderson, your bridge-building voice in the nation's capital. Good afternoon, friends. David Anderson live right here in the nation's capital. How in the world are you today? Well, wherever you are, in your kitchen, in your car, maybe in front of your computer or your smartphone, watching me on Facebook Live or on YouTube, Anderson Speaks is my handle there. Uh, Thanks a lot for tuning in. And, of course, on the most listened to Christian talk station on the East Coast. Second in the entire country, WAVA, 105.1 FM right here in the nation's capital, covering all of Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia, Maryland, parts of West Virginia, and Pennsylvania as well. Thanks a lot for tuning in there. And listen, this is a call-in talk show, and so I'm going to give you the number, I'm going to give you the topic, and we're going to get rolling after a word of prayer. But let me tell you how we roll if you're new to the show, and of course, if you're not new, You can say it with me. We start the week off with Marriage Mondays. And then, of course, today is Tough Topic Tuesdays. Then we have Wisdom Wednesdays, Theological Thursdays, and then Open Phone in Fridays. Anything you want to talk to me about on Friday is fair game. But today, it's Tough Topic Tuesday. And we're going to talk about the tough topic of drug addiction and crime. In fact, I have a special guest. You may see him right now, uh, Billy Campbell. He's the author of a new hit book, Moonlight, the Billy Camel story, a true story of crime, violence, and redemption. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Billy Campbell in just a moment. But if you're dealing with drug addiction, if you have loved ones or family that deal with drug addiction and crime, you're going to want to not only hear Billy's story, but you're going to want to connect to figure out, Lord, what am I supposed to do here when I have a a spouse, a child, a grandparent, a friend, uh, maybe even an enemy that's just all uh, driving me crazy with confusion because of drug addiction. That's what we're going to talk about today. My phone number live in studio is 888-432-7434. You have a question about drug addiction? Give me a call, 888 Four three bridge. 
Let's do what we always do, bow for just a short word of prayer, and then uh, we'll commit our time to the Lord, and I'll introduce you to our guests. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you uh, can help us have power over all things. You've given us a spirit of power, love, and sound mind, and we pray that today's show would just remind us of your redemptive power. We commit it over to you now and every listener and every viewer in Jesus' name. Together, everyone said amen and amen. Well, you see me holding up this book, Moonlight. That's right. This is Moonlight, the Billy Campbell story, a true story of crime, violence, and redemption. I have a Billy Campbell in the studio with me. I have read uh, portions of this book, edited some of it along the way, and it's a true story. And so what you have in front of you is a, a guest who has lived the life of drug addiction and crime. Let me tell you who he is. You can always call and talk to him as well. My phone number is 888-43-BRIDGE. 888-43-BRIDGE. 888-432-7434. So Billy Campbell has been a long, on a long road from being an abused, bullied, and molested kid to becoming a relatively uh, successful business owner and now an author his book, Moonlight, tells the story of how he learned to victimize people who had victimized him. He went from being a small-time, small-town uh, thug to, as he self-describes himself, uh, to the military, where he continued a life of crime. He had a spiritual awakening and turned his love for dogs into a real business. He, uh, he has a story, really, of abuse and racial strife and drugs and violence in prison but ultimately redemption, and now he's on the good side. He's using his, his experience and his life to help others, and that's why he's here today. Uh, Billy Campbell, thank you so much for being on Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Oh, we're going to get your microphone going just now. Uh, can we hear Billy? Keep, keep, keep talking, Billy, until we get your okay. microphone. Oh, there we go. We All right, our engineer is working on it. We got you. Thanks for being here, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you, especially. Why did you write the book Moonlight? Well, after two false starts, I really got some help and got to work on it. But uh, what it's really all about is I would like to reach people who have lived a life kind of like I have, and not a lot of them for the same reasons, and understand that when the prison's over, when you've got your head together, that you can make a different kind of life for yourself and do something and be successful with the entrepreneurial spirit that probably got you dealing drugs or, or, or sticking up banks or whatever it was you were doing. There's another way to go. And, hmm. I, and getting out of prison was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. How long were you in prison and what got you landed in prison? Well, I, I was inside for just about eight years, all, all federal time, but I was doing concurrent times in uh, Maryland, Georgia, and North Carolina while I was doing the federal time. And why were you uh, arrested to go to prison? Well, the, the charges that really got me locked up were uh, distribution of cocaine. Hmm. Right? But uh, there was a shooting incident with the Baltimore City Police at the, at the end of uh, my little run there. Hmm. But I actually spent almost 30 years living a life of crime uh you know i was uh some of it wasn't quite crime and, and living on the edges uh pornography i was involved in for many many years when it was really illegal they were arresting mm. us for pornography uh, uh i had adult bookstores in maine i was a sales representative for a mafia organization out of providence covering most of the east coast uh, moving uh, adult adult materials into these stores so uh, that was against the law at one point 
Yeah, and again, mm -hmm. a lot of times it depended on what state you were in or what town you were in. Uh, uh, some of it got really crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of dealt with like drugs in the early 70s, the late 60s and early 70s, which is when I got started with it. Mm. And then you ended up getting arrested. Were you in and out of the system, or were you in one time and then out and didn't go back? Because there is a recidivism rate that happens once somebody comes out of prison. Well, yeah, well, I, I was locked up, but never for more than a couple of weeks at a time, and I would find my way out of the problem. Sometimes, mostly it was just like overnight and get bailed out. And uh, I I'd, uh, got acquittals on, I think, seven cases before they finally locked me up because I, uh, I always thought about how to handle it and what the way out was if I ever got in. And I, I was very successful at doing those things, hmm. and, and depending on your <laughs> way you look at success, you know. Okay, but when they finally got me, I did the eight years, okay? They wouldn't let me go after the problem with the Baltimore City Police uh, where some shots were fired, and uh, they uh, they wouldn't let me go anymore after that, and I wound up making a deal and uh, and doing about eight years. It was a 13-year non-parolable sentence with the, the federal government, and the, other, the others were, were concurrent, and I wound up really not doing any time in any of the states. It just all right along with the feds. Well, when we get back, we're going to learn more about the Billy Campbell story, the author of the new book, the hit book, Moonlight. You want to make sure you check them out. You can always pick it up at moonlightcrimebook.com. We're coming back in just a couple of minutes. This is Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. would love for you to join his public figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson on Facebook, and when you see his smiling face, click like. It's a great way for you to connect with and follow Dr. Anderson. Plus, you can watch Real Talk with Dr. Anderson's radio program live or search past episodes. Real Talk with Dr. Anderson on Facebook. Join the group today. tired of living in that smelly basement well, let me tell you something amber and i had some basement issues we called best buy waterproofing they came and they helped us out if you have mold mildew cracks blistered paint in your walls or you're just not quite sure if your basement is altogether safe then call best buy waterproofing just go to bestbuywaterproofing.com they have over 30 years of experience and they'll even donate 500 to my show if you end up doing business with them but most of all Get your basement fixed. Give them a call. 844-980-3707. That's 844-980-3707. Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. For more information about this program or for resources from Dr. Anderson, please visit andersonspeaks.com. To watch on Facebook Live or visit Dr. Anderson's public figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson and click like. You can also watch live on YouTube. Just search for Anderson Speaks, all one word, and make sure to subscribe. Join our text community and receive a free weekly textpiration from Dr. Anderson. Just text the word INSPIRE to 97000. That's I-N-S-P-I-R-E to 97000. And now, back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. 
We're talking about crime. We're talking about addiction. You know, according to a national survey on drug use and health, almost 20 million adults of ages 12 and older battle a substance use, uh, according to 2017, some kind of substance disorder. And almost 75% of adults suffering from a uh, substance use uh, disorder in 2017 struggled with an alcohol use disorder. So alcohol and drugs together uh, run hand in hand. And about four out of 10 adults in 2017 say that they had battled an illicit drug use disorder. So uh, Billy Campbell, my uh, guest, is the author of the book Moonlight, the Billy Campbell story. It's a true story of crime, violence, and redemption. I'm holding it up right now on Facebook Live and YouTube. Uh, Billy, you said you wrote this book because you wanted to help other people by talking about your your crimes and drug addiction. How do you feel like that's going to help other people? Well, the the people I guess I would really like to reach are the people who have happened like I wound up doing time, uh, wound up in a prison and want to come out and do something different. Mm. Okay, Now, want to and want to are entirely different things. Right, but just the hardest thing I ever did was get out of prison. Going in was easy, mm. and a lot of my friends were there. All right, uh, coming out was difficult, and trying to go on a different road. And and I I I was in the federal system. I took advantage of every program they offered in there, trying to look at myself and understand myself. Mm. And, and I got a pretty good understanding of me. But then when you come out into the real world, after the time you spent in there, everything is surreal. Mm. Right? What's it like and, coming out of prison? Uh, confusing. Uh, is the best word I can think of. Uh, What's confusing? Well, is it I like relating to other people that haven't been in prison? Well, yeah, and and the lives that they're living. Uh, for an example, I, I was in a halfway house on Monument Street when they they let me go Monument Street in Baltimore. Uh, mm -hmm. Volunteers of America place, All right? And my ex-wife and my girlfriend, who was the girlfriend at uh, the time I was arrested, and is my girlfriend now. Uh, my daughter and her husband and, and an old friend came over too th that night and brought a bunch of shrimp and crabs and all kinds of stuff. And, and my daughter and, and my girlfriend were talking, and I understood all of a sudden that I didn't know what they were talking about. Mm. Uh, everything they were saying was like foreign to me. I, I, I had just come out of a world where uh, the big news in Leavenworth was uh, fat and greasy married Betty Boop, and they moved into the same cell together. Mm. Uh, all right, and uh, it, you know it's it really, really difficult making this adjustment of, of coming out into the free world. So just the language and the context in which they were living, uh, was there any temptation to go back to the old life? Yeah, there, there was definitely temptation to go back to the old life, and it was available immediately uh, with with some of the other people that were in the halfway house. Some of them got in action as soon as they got there. Is that right? All right, uh, I actually in Leavenworth when I was in Leavenworth. I got familiar with a guy named Severno Escobar. He was Pablo Escobar's uncle and was locked up on a drug conspiracy thing. And he offered me a deal then, because I was in the pornography business for a long time, mm -hmm. to trade uh, adult videos and, and, and hardcore magazines, uh, get them to Miami and trade them for cocaine. Huh. I'd have been a multimillionaire in about six months with mm. that kind of trade going on. And was that happening while you were in prison or when you got out of prison, that offer was there? No, the offer was made while I was in, and in reality, I turned it down then. Uh-huh. So uh -huh. even when you're in prison, you're getting offers to do crime, and then when you get out, you have the temptation uh, for people who are probably glad that you're out and think that you're now ready to do crime again. 
yeah, several people came to me with deals as soon as I got home. Hmm. And, and I was trusted because I didn't, I didn't tell on anybody. I, you know, when I got busted, I was offered the, you know, the Diana and I could walk if I tell on my suppliers and my customers. And mm. I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you go into it with full knowledge that this can get you locked up or killed. Mm. And uh, to turn around and then uh, and betray somebody because you're in trouble, I, I just think is dead wrong. Uh, I, I still maintain that kind of, I don't know, would you call that a criminal feeling or whatever? I don't know. Mm. but uh, Idea, you don't want to be a snitch. You knew what you were doing, and so you're not going to throw other people under the bus. You're going to take your medicine. Sure, just like if you if you borrow money, you pay it back. Mm-hmm. 888-432-7434 is the number live in studio. If you want to call and talk to Billy Campbell or myself, that's the number to call. If you're driving, just remember the word bridge. Maybe you've been driving over one. 888-43-BRIDGE. Well, let's go to the phone lines and talk to Tina, who's calling from Washington, D.C. Hi, Tina. It's Dr. Anderson here. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Dr. Anderson? Oh, I'm alive and grateful. Thanks for hanging with us today. What's your comment or question? Um, As a probation officer, I would like uh, to know any advice that he might have for a probation officer, I'm assuming he was on probation at one time following his uh, imprisonment term, mm-hmm. any advice what the probation officer might have done right or wrong in his case? Great question. Okay. I, I had two probation or parole officers. One was state and one was federal. Uh, and uh, the, the, the state pro- probation officer really didn't do anything. Uh, I reported on Guilford Avenue in Baltimore once a week and uh, at one point, she said she had to see me outside, and I said, well, are you going to come by my house or something like that? She said, no, where are you parked? Hmm. I was parked on the corner of the street. She said, go but stand by your car. She walked out on the steps of the building and waved at me and uh, walked back inside, and that was her uh, away from the office meeting. Huh. But I had a federal probation officer named Walter Dent who, who gave me advice, who uh, who uh, stood with me, uh, talked to me about things that were bothering me, and, and really helped me a lot. Okay, so it's... It, it, it's how somebody feels about their work, I guess, and anything they're doing. But the state pro- parole officer did virtually nothing for me, but the federal parole officer was really good, and he helped me through a lot of stuff. Uh, and and that kind of support from uh, from those kind of people can really help you. What do you think about that, Tina? I like that because I'm a federal probation officer. <laughs> so I was hoping he'd something positive about that. So thank you very much. Hey, a question, a question for you, Tina. Is there a difference between a federal and a state in your mind, or was that just Billy's uh, experience? Have you found that in your field? It, it's probably just based on the, whoever's supervising him, but I will say that at the federal level there are uh, more resources mm. sometimes than at the state level. So depending on what his conditions were, what he was required to do, mm. um, the, the resources would have been better at the federal level, probably. And while I have you on the line, recidivism is an issue I brought up earlier, Tina. I'm sure you're there to kind of help people make that transition into the real world again. Um, how hard is it for you to do your job well, and what do you need? How do we pray for you? Oh, my. Let's see. It's, I wouldn't say it's that difficult to do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we caseload sizes are pretty decent mm-hmm. uh, we do have resources at the federal level um, it's it just it's it's an ongoing mm. battle mm. just trying to help people help themselves so you know I've been trying rewarding to, work mm-hmm. I've been trying to get hooked up with okay. the pre-release program someplace to actually go in and maybe talk to some guys before they get out 
all right, or even after they get out and are on yeah. some kind of supervisory lease and try to help show them that there is another road they can travel if they really want to. But uh, nobody seems right, interested right. in doing this with me. Do they have those uh, kind of programs out there, Tina? Oh, there are so many nonprofits. A lot of people create their own, like start up on their own. Mm. There's a lot of programs. Are you in the area? Uh, I'm in Baltimore. Are you in the D.C. metro? Well, yeah. yeah Baltimore, as you yeah. know, there's n yeah, there's numerous programs up there, but a lot of them are startups, and um, you know, people just do them on their own because there's so many. Because reentry is like a really big thing right now. Right, right, right. Um, so, uh, but as far as the, the programs, like you know, the free relief centers, halfway houses, things like that, um, mm -hmm. they're probably chock full of different resources already, maybe. Right, right, sure. right, right. But keep trying. I, I would continue. I, I'd encourage you to keep trying. Well, maybe I start your own. Program. I appreciate the work that you're doing. We all do, and thanks for listening and calling in today, okay? Yep. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Blessings. You know, the whole idea of reentry, I'm sure, is a difficult thing. You survived reentry. Did you have any failings along the way? Failings? Yeah. yeah. Um, I also, besides having a good federal parole officer, they, uh, they had a federal drug aftercare program at the University of Maryland that I got involved with. I had a guy named Moses Hammett who was my counselor, and he walked me through some things where I got into situations with people where my reaction was to get violent with them. Hmm. And I would call Moses at 3 o'clock in the morning. He'd talk me down. Hmm. All right? Uh, so, so having somebody like this behind you, somebody you can reach out to that is calm and cool and, and, and is willing to help you adjust to what you have to adjust to in, in the free world society is, is really important. The Apostle Paul uh, states in the scriptures in 1 Timothy that he used to be a violent man and how God had changed him. Um, what was it about you that made you violent? What was going on there? Well, uh, well, I, I get into it in the book pretty good, but I was an abused and bullied kid. And I was about 12 years old when I decided I wasn't going to be abused and bullied anymore. And I took a baseball bat to a couple of guys that were doing this. Mm. All right. I actually hit my mother and broke a couple of her ribs too because she was always hitting me with anything she could put her hands on and what and what I understood then was it's better be the victimizer than the victim mm. all right and uh and then being a man was uh, the father wasn't there and this is with a lot of guys almost everybody I, I knew in prison had no man in their life uh, mm. I had no father or gone or in and out or drunk or drugged or, or whatever all right so you start to you don't know how to be a man mm. All right. So to being a man to me became, and I was a reader, I'm still a reader, okay, uh, guys who didn't get bullied and pushed around were guys like Al Capone and Billy the Kid and John Billinger, and these guys became my heroes. Mm. All right. So it made me feel stronger, okay, to reach out and hurt somebody mm. that did anything at all that I didn't like. So you didn't want to be hurt anymore, so you thought you'd be the one to put the hurt on people, and the role models you had were... Uh, you become what you see. And so what you're reading and seeing, you're thinking, well, I'd rather be them than to be the one that's that's victimized. So that, that drew you into uh, a life of violence as well. Do you still have to keep that violent, um, I suppose, persona when you're in prison as well in order to survive? Well, what I found was I, the best way I could describe it is you actually have to be a man. Uh, you can't go around pushing people around in prison or somebody will do something really bad to you, but you've got to stand up for yourself. So, mm. and, and they check you out. Uh, the bikers call it mud checking. Mm. Uh, but they will check you out and see if they can push you. Mm. Uh, uh, and if they can push you, you're in trouble. 
So you do have to stand up for yourself. So the whole idea of being a bullied victim uh, has to change very quickly, doesn't it? It does. And, and the prison's probably like the toughest schoolyard in the world, especially a place like Leavenworth. It was, was a really heavy-duty, high-security place. I understand it's a medium now, but it, at the time it was one of the three high-security places that the federal government had. Hmm. Toughest guys in the country were there. Well, I know you talk about that in the book. You talk about your journey and getting there. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about the drug aspect of your life. And by the way, we do have a 1-800 number in case you may be struggling or dealing with uh, drug addiction. There's a national drug line. The number is 888-633-3239. That number again, the national drug hotline is 888-633-3239. The book we're highlighting today and the author of the book is live in studio with me. It's Moonlight, the Billy Campbell story. I could not uh, not turn pages after pages after pages. I read it from cover to cover before it was published. Uh, it's a true story of crime, violence, and redemption. And uh, I tell you what, it, it, it's a page turner. It's published by the Fortune Publishing Group. You can always find their books at Fortune Publishing Group. Com. If you want to get a copy of this book, make sure you just put in MoonlightCrimeBook.com. MoonlightCrimeBook.com. Get your copy today. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about drugs. What kind of drugs? How do you sell drugs? And who's buying them? 888-43-BRIDGE. In the 21st century, Americans must be able to compete with other countries and their globally competent workforces. At Reed Temple Christian Academy, students grow in their ability to make a positive impact on the world through a rigorous curriculum in communications, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, second language acquisition through Mandarin immersion and Spanish classes, culturally rich student-led domestic and international mission work, and our gem of a partnership with over 13 embassies working with us through the Global Embassy Mentors Program, all designed to develop global Christian citizens. Please join us every third Thursday for an open house to explore the possibilities of a culturally rich academic journey this year. Please visit our website at reedtempleacademy.com and register for an available open house date. Reed Temple Christian Academy is accredited by Middle States Association of Colleges and Schools and Association of Christian Schools International. On Friday night, we came, we got into an argument, and I stayed in the car outside for two hours. I knew what the right thing to do was to go. The New Life Intimacy and Marriage Workshop is coming to Washington, D.C., June 28th to the 30th. You know, I know this stuff, but it's so hard to do. Mm -hmm. I hear it, I read it, and I'm always getting in my own way. I'm always expecting my wife to go first. Join Steve Arterburn. We believe that everybody has room to grow in the intimacy level of their life. And Mylon and Kay Yurkovich. We help couples understand how their attachment style is sabotaging their current relationship. And then we teach them how to create comfort in a relationship. And New Life's group leaders will help you focus on the area that will benefit your marriage most. To register or to find out more, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433 or go to newlife.com. My biggest takeaway was to just get out of my way and go first. 1-800-N-E-W-L-I-F-E. 
The following is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me. I know that the dreams I have for my family can still come true. Financial security, to stay in the home we became a family in, and for our children to be able to go to college. I reached out to SelectQuote because I wanted to share my story. If just one person purchases life insurance, I know I will have made a difference. SelectQuote can find a 37-year-old male a $500,000 policy for under a dollar a day. If there are people you care about, you need life insurance. It may be the single most important financial decision of your life. Don't put off protecting your family. Get your free quote now. Call 800 671 That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all... We're back. Welcome to the second half of the show. Drugs and crime. <laughs> it's Tough Topic Tuesday, and that's exactly what we're talking about. We've got the author of the book, Moonlight. It's a hit book, a true story of crime, violence, and redemption. It's uh, the Billy Campbell story. Billy Campbell's live with me in a studio right now. If you want to get a copy of the book, check it out, moonlightcrimebook.com, moonlightcrimebook.com. If you want to call us and talk about drug addiction, drug uh, problems, uh, crime, criminal behavior, violence. The number is 888-432-7434. You know, you hope that you don't have anybody in your family that's a criminal. You hope you don't have anybody in your family that's a drug addict. You hope yourself you never really get hooked on drugs. Maybe you're just messing around with a little bit of marijuana or something. But before you know it, you're looking at cocaine and all kinds of uh, meth and all, all kinds of drugs. I want to ask Billy Campbell, and by the way, let me give you my number before I ask Billy Campbell. The number is 888-43-BRIDGE, 888-43-BRIDGE. The author of the book, Moonlight, Billy Campbell, I want to ask you, uh, what happened with regard to drugs? Did you start using drugs and then selling them, or did you start selling drugs and not using them so you can make more profit? What was your doorway into drugs? I was, uh, I, I was using before I was selling. Okay. And what were you using? Uh well, actually, actually, I, I started off, and I, I guess I've always been self-destructive. I, I started off, my mother was on a drug called phenobarbital, a barbiturate. Mm-hmm. And I started off stealing phenobarbital. And my uncle... Uh, and my, why did she have it? For medical I, reasons? Or I, was I, she an I, addict? No, I guess it was medical. I don't think she was buying anything on the street. But okay. she was probably an addict anyway with what the doctors were providing her. Okay. With, with these, you know, painkillers and, 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 uh, and depressants. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and my uncle uh, kept a bottle of whiskey stashed in the closet, so I would get three or four phenobarbital and a couple of shots in me when I was 12 or 13, 14 years old. Oh, my goodness. All right. So uh, uh, at 16 years old, I had managed to get, get a hold, and I was hustling and stealing and, 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 and working, and uh, I, I got myself a little 56 Jag XK140, and I kept a bottle of scotch under the seat all the time, hmm. a pint bottle of scotch. I hate scotch now. It pains my right? stomach to smell it, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that's what I did. So I, w- I was using long before, and I was using, uh, I, I got on speed, uh, Obedrines at the time in the late 60s. We called them birthday cakes, uh, an amphetamine, a strong amphetamine. I got on them. They outlawed them, and they came out with black beauties, bifetamine 20s, 
and I started using them long before I, I, I mastered marijuana. I never really never, never thought much about pot. So you, you started with the hard stuff, it sounds like. And so then how did you get into the drug selling, the, the drug crime world, the stuff we watch on TV? Well, I was in a porno business, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but I would also do anything uh, that would make me money. All right. So uh, we had a, I, I worked with a guy named out of Philadelphia named David Russia, who was an expert chemist, him and his wife. And uh, we started uh, actually the Ohimbi they sell in health food stores now as a sex aid. We started, uh, David really started importing the bark from Africa and extracting the Ohimbi from it. And we put it out as yocane, uh, a legal drug. We're selling in, in porno shops and head shops around the country. Mm. Uh, uh, butyl nitrate and knockoff of amyl nitrate. So, so we started with, with designer-type drugs that were legal we could sell anywhere. And you're doing that here in Baltimore? Well, I was doing that everywhere, but I was doing it out of Maine. But we had a place I in see. Maine, a place in Texas, and a place in Washington State. I understand. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and then we made a cocaine cut, which was probably the best cut ever made with ephedrine, procaine, and, and mannitol. And started selling it to dealers at 800 bucks a pound, and they, and big time dealers were cutting their, cutting their stuff with it, and so then it became easy to trade for an ounce of coke here and there for with the uh, with selling them the cut, and I started using, and using got bigger and bigger, and when things really fell apart on me in Maine, though I made some drug deals there, but not a lot of them, uh, when things really fell apart with me in Maine, the guy who I came to Baltimore to to be with and to help him put together a legal business of of designer drugs mm -hmm. uh was dealing cocaine here All so right. it sounds like there's a whole network of folk and if you're in multiple states how are you getting drugs from maine to washington state to miami or baltimore is this good old-fashioned get in the car and drive across the country stuff yeah well when we were when we were doing dallas and seattle and, and kittery of all places uh, when we were doing Dallas and Seattle and Kittery, these were legal-type drugs. I see. But okay. once I got into the cocaine business, uh, I, I was picking up in Florida. Uh, we, we had a, 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 a connect out of Baltimore, really, who had a place in Hollywood, Florida. We were going down there and picking up. Uh, we were also getting quaaludes from him. Uh, we uh, had another connect in Rhode Island. So this is a bona fide business. This is not just a oh bunch yeah. of hippie kids that are taking drugs it's a bona fide business no i was i was dealing about five kilos a week and so when they caught you i want to know what kind of sting operation got you caught and then what turned you around the book is moonlight it's the billy campbell uh story if you want your copy uh all you got to do is go to moonlightcrimebook.com that's moonlightcrimebook.com i'm going to run to my commercial break now if you want to give me a call maybe you have a call uh, a question about drug addiction, alcohol, crime, recidivism, give me a call. The number, 888-432-7434. That's 888-43-BRIDGE. raised by her professor why are you here at Omega Graduate School Sevla Didiu Hailu answered in one of her essays like this 
I was not there just to add a prefix to my name, though that would feel good. The greater purpose of my preparation at OGS is to fulfill my mandate to be a change agent. The doctoral study is a time of preparation for me to see and to think, to understand the times, and to craft my way in fulfilling my calling. Sebla Diglu Hailu, a current doctor of philosophy student from Ethiopia, is a counselor and adjunct psychology professor who hosts a weekly radio show in the capital city of Ethiopia and is an advocate for empowering women and children. What is your profession and how can OGS help you grow to the next level in your graduate education? Dr. David Anderson is the new chancellor of Omega Graduate School, formerly known as Oxford Graduate School, and your education as a working adult is important to him, to God, and to all who will be changed in the world because of your important research. Go to OGS.edu today and apply or call 1-800-933-6188. Want more Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson? You can now catch Dr. Anderson's half-hour radio highlight show on Saturdays at 7 p.m. right here on WAVA 105.1. You'll enjoy recent conversations he's had with callers to this show. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend Edition, Saturday, 7 p.m. on WAVA. Check it out. For more information about Dr. Anderson, visit andersonspeaks.com. Does your church have legal challenges? McCullum & Associates has experience with pastor-church relations, administration and organizational issues, real estate issues, church liability, and risk management. This firm understands the legal aspects of the problems, as well as the spiritual implications of those same problems inside and outside the court. Call McCullum & Associates today at 301-864-6070. That's 301-864-6070. Dr. David Anderson, big shout out to Jacqueline Dash, Linda Gentiskerzak. Thank you for your comments about today's topic. Daryl Musgrove, Stelle Faye, Romero Brown, hello to you. Nina Sadi, hello to you as well. If you want to talk to us on our Facebook Live page, just go to at Anderson Speaks. You can also listen to this again by going to my YouTube channel, Anderson Speaks. You can always uh, copy the link and send it to other people. It is an important topic. Drug addiction is a big deal. And um, Billy Campbell has written a book called Moonlight. It is the Billy Campbell story, a true story of crime, violence, and redemption. Um, you know, drugs have not gone away. How old are you now, uh, Billy Campbell? I'll be 72 in July. Okay, so 72, the drug crisis in America. Better, worse, your opinion now? I don't know. I, I, I'm not involved out there anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, there's a lot of talk about the opiate thing. Um, I, I always wonder when a, uh, we, we call it heat, when a lot of heat goes on something, if, it, if it's not just political theater or something. So mm -hmm. I, I really don't know. Uh, they're, suing, uh, they're suing the pharma companies that make the drugs, saying that they're doing something wrong. Uh, maybe they are. I, I, I don't know, but... Uh, for sure, the drugs are still there, and people are still using them. People are still getting high. Mm -hmm. People are still overdosing. All right, all of those things are nothing new. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, in general, most of the people who who fall way over the edge and, and really get into being an addict and, and wind up overdosed or locked up over it are, are, are self-destructive people. It's not the drug use that's the problem. The drug use is a symptom mm -hmm. of a problem inside the individual. Wow. All right, and uh, and you. you 
in order to in order to fix it, you've got to start reaching inside some of these people and 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 helping them get a better view of themselves. I believe. White guy, seventy two years old, race relations in America with regard to drugs and crime. Any thoughts about that from your chair? Uh, well, I don't have any race relation problems, uh, and I don't see a lot of them in my daily life. Now they're played up on television and with the politicians mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, what about when you were in prison or anything like that? Did you see any disparity at all or not necessarily? Did the white Leavenworth, folks stay with the white folks? In Leavenworth, they did, okay, in the chow hall. Mm -hmm. uh, in the chow hall, they did. When you walked in, the first two tables uh, were American Indians, mm -hmm. all right? The rest of that section was homosexual, okay? Mm -hmm. so, and they mixed uh, black, white, Latino, uh, Oriental, whatever, whatever you want to regard as a race, mm -hmm. all right? And then there was a complete black section and a complete white section. And you sat in your section, and I had a friend, a kid from Baltimore named Troy Brown, a black kid that uh, came over and sat with me one time, and I, I was later talked to by some of the Aryan Brotherhood guys and saying, you can't have your friend come in this section. Mm. I went and sat with him, and he got a, t a talking to from the Nation of Islam. So we could be pals. Nobody cared. Uh, mm. Hang around each other's cells, play cards, whatever. But in the chow but hall, we had to the other in the chow hall, we had to stay separated. Uh huh. Okay. Uh -huh. Uh, nobody wanted. When I got to Leavenworth, there was a little war going on, and it was a cowboy and Indian war. It was uh, it was white guys and, and American Indians fighting with each other over something or other. I don't know what it was all about. Didn't go on very long after I got there. Mm. And twice I saw things could have got confrontational, black and white, but nobody wanted that. Gotcha. They didn't want the, a war happening with behind the bars, uh, behind the bars. So, what turned you around? At what point did you uh, realize that uh, this wasn't the life for you? That God had a greater purpose for you? Can you remember what turned you around? Well, the, the actual beginning of it, I believe, when I, when they took me out of the Baltimore City Jail, he took me to uh, a, a prison in upstate New York called Otisville. I was on the compound for about 18 hours, and they called me to the lieutenant's office, and they locked me up. They said I was too dangerous for the staff and the inmates of that institution. Mm. All right. And they put me on lockup, which means I was on, uh, in the hole and in solitary confinement all of a sudden. And the only thing I had in there was they gave me books to read. You know, I like to read, so I'd, I'd read and sleep and read and sleep and read and sleep. And I started thinking, I'm a smart guy. What am I doing in this cage? Mm. And I came to the conclusion that the reason I was in this cage was the drugs, mm. okay? Not the dealing of them, okay? The use of them, that the cocaine made me feel so grandiose that I could do anything. Mm. All of the t successful criminal time I had before that, I always understood that I was messing with something much stronger than me. When I looked up in the air and saw a fighter jet go over, I understood those were the people who would want to do something to me. Mm. And I better respect their power. But I got to the point where I just thought I could do anything I wanted at all, and I, and I drove myself into the ground doing that. Maybe mm. that's the way it should have gone. Maybe that was God's purpose to get me back and into the penitentiary and give, give me a chance to turn around, which it did. So when you had that solitude time, that's when you began to truly reflect, and that's when you started thinking even about God. Is, is God had a, uh, a role in your life as you're thinking about uh, your relationship with him? God's always had a role in my life, and I just kind of blew it off most of the time. Mm. Okay, I would pray and get it. Okay, things would actually it's something to talk about it in the book a little bit. Things were actually miraculous, and then I would just disregard it. Mm. All right, uh, at this stage of the game, the business I have, canine concepts, mm -hmm. all right, it's there because 
he lets it happen. Mm. Or makes it happen. Uh, there were times going along when you know, it was really difficult to get this thing going. When I'd, I'd be broke on Monday and my payroll day was Tuesday, and he'd send them through the door, and I, enough would happen to keep things going. And well, going. you know, that's how we got connected, too. Uh, K9 Concepts, uh, with a K, by the way, uh, in the Baltimore area, will uh, take care of, of, of your dogs. And, of course, we have dogs, and uh, you train uh, dogs, police dogs and pet dogs and family dogs. But uh, that is a major business for you to be an entrepreneur on the legal side, but also to affect people's home by having obedient dogs as well as the uh, Department of Homeland Security or whatever. It's pretty amazing. And uh, if people actually want to learn more about Canine Concepts, where would they go? Uh, website, canineconcepts.com. And there's a Facebook page, K-9Concepts. Uh, and, you know, we're doing this. We love these dogs. Yeah. Uh, Dogs love you better than people do sometimes. But the reality is uh, there must have been a love deficit in your life uh, from a very young age. Talk about that for just a couple of minutes. Well, what, what I guess what really put me into the position I was in was the fact that my father was in and out, okay, and uh, he thought good things to do with me was teach me to smoke cigarettes, give me beer at 9 or 10 years old. Mm. My mother would beat me at the drop of a hat. All right, and I didn't know. Uh, I I didn't know when I was growing up. At one point, if my name was son of a bitch or bastard. Mm. Right. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so I had very little value to myself. You're not allowed <laughs> to say that on Christian radio, you know. I'm sorry. Well, all right. maybe a, a female dog. Let's go with that. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe 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 he'll forgive me. Yeah, he, absolutely, right. he will. I do all as right. well. The reality is the love relationship uh, that uh, I see that you are developing with the Lord, and I'm watching you go to uh, men's breakfasts. I'm watching you learn how to worship. I'm watching you learn how to understand what all of this means. God has you here for a purpose. You're 72. You should be dead. Yeah, I should. You should be dead. Yep, I agree. None of us deserve to live, but you've gone through so many areas in life where you should be dead do you believe god has a purpose for your life i do i and i, I think the dogs are part of it and i'm hoping that the, the the book is part of it because i'd like to help some people get straight and you know if you can help a couple of people you're actually helping thousands uh, th this is a ripple effect from somebody that's in trouble with addiction or in crime you're affecting the family, their own family. They're affecting the people who are buying your drugs, the people you're stealing from, and their families. And it just goes on and on and on. So if we can help a few people, we're really going to help a lot of people. And that's what I'm trying to accomplish. It here. is a uh, riveting book, uh, Moonlight, the Billy Campbell story, a uh, true story of crime, violence, and redemption. Uh, let's go to Anonymous in Springfield, Virginia, quickly before our break. Hi, Anonymous. It's Dr. Anderson here. How you doing? I'm good, Doctor. How are you? Oh, I'm alive and grateful, my friend. What are you thinking? Um, very important subject. I appreciate your guest. Just wanted to say, you know, that it always seems like, particularly in today's age, that minorities are the only ones that are put up on television mm. as doing drugs and crime. And I just wanted to get his feedback on why we don't see more of Caucasians displayed doing the same thing because I think it would bring a balance to say that all people struggle with issues and drugs and crime mm. and stuff as well as the fact that I want to know from his perspective because there are minorities are also accused of being the ones that are fostering all of this mm. drugs and, and crime and stuff but do we really are minorities really the ones who have the power 
to be the ones at the top creating all of this havoc. All right, let's ask, force behind let's ask Billy Campbell that question as soon as we get back from the commercial break. We're coming right back. It's Real Talk, Dr. David Anderson. Varicose and spider veins. Wow, what a gift from my mom. She had them, I got them, and not only are they uncomfortable and sometimes painful, but I stopped wearing skirts and shorts because I was embarrassed and I really hated the way my legs looked. When my kids asked me, what are those things on your legs? I was done. I finally went to Vein Clinics of America. The procedure took about an hour and I was right back to work. What they're doing with lasers these days is unbelievable. The staff made me feel so comfortable and the results, well... Even my husband has noticed. Vein Clinics of America has been treating vein disease for over 35 years. They're the largest and most experienced in the U.S. Look, I've been doing the commercials for vein clinics for years because I really believe in them, and you can trust them too. The best part, my insurance covered the procedure, so stop hiding your legs. Call Vein Clinics of America now to see if you qualify for a free consultation. Call 800-885-2900. 800-885-2900. That's 800-885-2900. Message and data rates may apply. Individual results may vary. Exclusions apply. But hey, I'm buying a huge flat screen TV so I can finally see it without my glasses. Why not just get LASIK at the LASIK Vision Institute? That's what I'm doing. Uh, My glasses and contacts are a pain. I'd love to finally get rid of these, but who can afford LASIK? You can. Because the LASIK Vision Institute is offering dramatically low prices, as low as $220 per eye with an absolutely free consultation. Text START to 350350. The LASIK Vision Institute has already performed over a million procedures. They use advanced FDA-approved LASIK technology that helps the majority of patients achieve 20-20 vision for a fraction of what others charge. Better vision, better value. The LASIK Vision Institute. Make this the year you finally get LASIK for as low as $220 per eye. Text START to 350-350. You'll see for free if LASIK is right for you. That's S-T-A-R-T to 350-350. Are you looking to move to a bigger home? Are you worried about how you're going to sell your house and buy the next one without being homeless or having to pay for two homes? I'm Christy Moore, founder Local Expert Realty. Our proven system includes our guaranteed move-up program. If you're looking to sell your house, call now at 866-404-5858. I will sell your house in 58 days or I'll buy it. Call now at 866-404-5858. Certain conditions or exceptions may apply. Listen to what another listener had to say about us. Christy was the best. Christy did a great job. We listed the house Thursday and the house was sold by Monday. We listed the house for 939 and we ended up getting 970. Recommending Christy would be easy to do. One of the things too that Christy did was the negotiations of the waiver of inspections, appraisals. Couldn't be more satisfied. If you want to sell your house, call now at 866-404-5858. This is Rich Becker, producer of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. The radio ministry of Real Talk with Dr. Anderson is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. If this nonprofit ministry is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider partnering with us? With an ongoing monthly gift of $30 or more, you'll become a Real Talk partner. As a way of saying thank you, we would love to send you a signed copy of Dr. Anderson's book, Gracism. Thank you for making this important ministry possible. We can't do it without you. Visit andersonspeaks.com and simply click the donate button to support Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. 
That's Andersonspeaks.com. And what a privilege and a pleasure it is for those of you who hang with me every single day, Monday through Saturday. Don't forget, we do have a Saturday show, 7 p.m. every weekend. Make sure you check us out. Today's book is an amazing read. You're going to uh, turn the page over and over and over again and not be able to stop. I'm sure it's going to become a movie one day. It's called Moonlight, the Billy Campbell story, a true story of crime, violence, and redemption. And before the break, Anonymous from Springfield, Virginia, called uh, Billy and wanted to know, you know, again, you're a white guy. You've been through the prison system. Uh, he asked, so many minorities are put up on the news uh, with regard to drug, drugs and crime. Are they the only ones doing this stuff? Are they the ones with the power to make all this happen? And what was your experience? Okay. They're certainly not the only ones doing this. There are plenty of white people using drugs and dealing in drugs. Uh, why are they the only ones put up there? I, I think some of that's political. And I, and I think minorities have been unfairly treated in certain ways, like the Clinton drug laws. Uh, they, uh, 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 a white guy with an ounce of cocaine could, could get two or three years, and, and a black guy with, uh, with an ounce of what they call crack, freebase cocaine, uh, would get 35 years. Mm. And I saw kids coming in around the time I was getting out, young black kids, 23, 25 years old, are going to get out of prison when they're 58. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah. So I think minorities have been unfairly treated by the system. Okay. Do they have the power, the power to stop it? No. And neither do white people have the power to stop it. Uh, all right. There are there are heavyweight drug dealers that are black, Spanish, uh, Oriental, and white. Mm. All right. Uh, they're part of the power structure. Certain clubs, gangs, whatever you want to call them, groups, uh, are, are set up by race. Mm. All right. Uh, there's. Uh, you know, the, the Rasta gangs from, from Jamaica, they're all black. Mm. All right. uh, the Aryan Brotherhood's all white. Uh, the, most of the motorcycle clubs are all white. I, I mean, they're, they're out there, but no one group is in charge of this or, or more susceptible than the others, I don't think. Hmm. Uh, I, 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 I'm not sure why, why, why they would... Uh, Black-on-black -black crime in, in the hood is really serious, for sure, mm. okay? And maybe that's why it gets so much publicity. Or, or maybe the, the media is tainting things. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, the, but there, there are certainly black and white and all ethnicities of people that have power it. in this drug thing. And, and if everybody decided to work together, maybe they could shut it down. Well, I remember reading in your book a, b a bit about uh, the, the racial differences as well. Thank you so much for writing the book. Thank you for sharing your story. It is a story of redemption. I know God is working in you and on you, and it's a page turner. Uh, at first, you think it's a novel until you realize, oh, my gosh, it really is a true story. We pray that God's protection and God's purposes in your life continue to be revealed, okay? Thank you for having me, sir, and uh, thank everybody that's listening and watching on Facebook. Moonlightcrimebook.com. Make sure you pick yours up today. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for the grace that you have extended in our lives. We know that some of us may not have gone through all the difficulties that uh, Billy Campbell has gone through, and yet you have sustained him and shown us that we can also come out the other side. So we just pray for anyone that's listening today that's struggling with their purpose to see that you can work all things out together for good to those who love the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Does your root? 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.